You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. You know, I have some wherewithal. I, I, like when I'm on a trail, I have no idea. I'm just like a dot on a map and I don't really understand where I am in relation to things. And I'm really bad about that too when I'm trying to describe where I am to other people. It's like, I don't know what town I am in, you know, I'm just, I'm not here in the woods. But now I kind of knew to anticipate some places that were coming up. Oh, okay, like 20 miles, I'm going to be here tonight. That campsite from last time, I remember that. And so there's all this kind of like homesick, like mini homesick feelings. Like, oh, I can't wait to get back to that place. I remember the emotions I was feeling two years ago at this place. And and like, you know, you see where you are emotionally compared to you were back to, to how you were back then. And, you know, just see uh, how things have changed, but also like anticipating those feelings of familiarity. That was Sam Holcomb, better known on trail as Summertime. And I'm Misty Ridley Little, your host for the podcast. This episode has been a long time coming, as I've had several folks recommend having Summertime on as a guest for the podcast. A multi-time Florida Trail thru-hiker, he began his long-distance hiking adventures on the Mountains to Sea Trail in North Carolina in the early 2010s. It set forth the upending and changing of his previous life, and after a few years away from the trail, he found himself on the Florida Trail in 2017. Next, he completed a southbound ECT hike, and most recently, he revisited the Mountains to Sea Trail for a second time as he hiked for charity, raising money for a good friend who had recently had some medical issues. We talk about all of this and more, including how profoundly trail angels and kind encounters along the trail are to hikers and just what kind of impact they have, especially for the hikers who tend to stay away from large groups while hiking. A minor note, there are a couple places where Zoom decided to cut out recording for a few seconds, so while the general theme of what we were talking about continues, the sentences sometimes don't quite make sense, and there really wasn't a good way for me to fix that, and it's so minor that you may not even catch it, but for, for those who listen a lot more closely, you might notice it, so just a heads up, and I apologize. All right, on to my conversation with Summertime. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. I've had several people recommend you over the years, and I know you've been a little bit hard to track down because you're you're a busy hiker guy, and I'm glad we're making it happen now. So absolutely, yeah, people are kind. Yeah. So maybe if you just introduce yourself, I you know was looking at your website, and I thought it was funny you had a. And the way you describe yourself is interesting. You know, you said you're a cosmetologist, metrosexual in a, in a previous life. And, uh, you know, when people see, see you on, on Instagram, they're like, I don't know how that works. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> how, sure. yeah I mean, how did, how did that life turn into the hiking life? What made you switch, switch your whole life, basically? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the um, cosmetologist, metrosexual thing was uh, a means to an end and kind of like a blip in my life when I look at it. Um, I had been doing theater throughout like high school and college and stuff like that. And got, you know, was able to do some makeup and hair for some of the shows and then um, dropped out of college and decided that might be a cool career years and more, more time doing that than I did as a hairdresser. So I don't know if like, it wasn't going to complete like turnaround of my life. It was more of like a, realization and, and uh revisiting kind of what I was into as a kid as far as being outdoors and hiking and stuff mm-hmm. after having been in cos and beauty school and in um you know working in the salon for many years but I love that and and like I still keep up with a lot of my clients and other people that I was in beauty school with um and worked at the salon with and I, I love that life but after a while certain aspects of it just got, you know, I knew I, I knew I couldn't spend the rest of my life behind the chair, as they say. Right. Right. So 
why did you decide like the the mountains of sea trail is your first trail was it i mean as the appalachian trail is growing in popular popularity at that time yeah uh, how come i mean you know that's usually someone's first trail but you chose a mount the mountains of sea trail which is you know especially 10 years ago relatively unknown yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't know like i think i, I was uh I'm not ready to the appalachian trail like even with the, some camping experience i had from boy scouts you know that, that's more like camping or going out for a night or two and kind of like bringing more um supplies than you would on a through hike and stuff like that so i just didn't think i was prepared for such an epic uh length as the appalachian trail i was just intimidated and you know the, i live in north carolina the mountains of sea trail travels through north carolina so i kind of heard about it in my peripheral over the years it was started in the 1970s you know and and as as little known as it was in 2012, it was even less known before that. Uh, but my, I have an older brother who was also into scouts and uh, loves the outdoors. And he started piecing together his through hike of it. And so when, when he started doing that, I kind of said, Oh, you know, let me dig into that a little deeper and started reading up on the trail and bought some guides of my own. And he didn't end up finishing because of uh, equipment failure, but I, th I think he'd still like to finish it at, at some point. But I kind of picked up um, that torch from him, you know, and asked his permission. I was like, is it cool if I, I try it out? You know, I know you haven't finished yet, but and of course he was like, oh, yeah, man, go for it. You know, he had a great time doing the part he did. So I just felt it was like closer to home. It was easier to plan. Um cheaper because of that because of like logistics and how close it was to home the bailout was easier if it didn't go you know how i was hoping it would go so it just kind of seemed like a, a an easier first step for me and um i like I, lo I love the state of north carolina and so i just um felt like you know i get to know my state better and stuff so it just it seemed to make sense at that time um i could just kind of like hop out my back door and kind of yeah 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 so how how long is that trail it's like around the same length as the florida trail right maybe a little longer yeah um when in 2012 it was 961 miles and now it's uh 1175 okay so wow wow keep adding some mileage yeah and it starts i think at clingman's dome well on the west side right, right. uh-huh yeah start yeah. or finish but most people start there that's that's traditional and ends at jockey's ridge out on the east coast and it's funny like when i saw they had added all these miles i thought oh that that must mean they found more private land and it just has to meander a bit to hit these you know um forests and and new liens they've gotten for the mm -hmm. trail to pass through and that is true a little bit but I, I haven't like looked at the real data but i feel like there's more road walking than there was oh no <laughs> like i mean even if it took you to where it's like a, a a rare environment or like a cool area you know like historically or something in north carolina even if it got you to that like woodsy natural place you still had to truck it on a road to get there right so, kind of like you, you know it's like it I guess you're damned if you do or you don't. You know, you right, right. To get there. You know? Yeah, they're like, we're going to take you here, but to get here, you've got to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. right, well, right. Frustrating as a yeah. yeah, I understand that. <laughs> and so, and then how long did that take you that first hike? I mean, you probably had a lot of learning experience just getting, you know, things together as a for your first through hike through that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, once I got in the flow, I kind of kept up a good pace and, uh, 
man, I should have looked that up before. I think it took me like 44, 40-something days, 44 or 45 or something like that at 961 miles. And uh, I took uh, several zero days um, just because my body was in shock for a lot of that. You know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You do know what I mean. But, uh, uh, took less this time. Um, just cause I was moving along, you know, just at a steady clip and I was like fueled by promoting the, um, the fundraiser I was doing. I kind of like, I didn't, there was no like time limit. I had given myself or promised anybody who donated to the fundraiser. I just kind of like felt like focused on getting it done because of it. And so I right. just kind of, ended up moving along pretty quickly I think I only did one zero this time right and I felt that yeah for sure yeah yeah so when your first hike did you have were you in any kind of shape at all you said it took a little bit of a toll on your body but I mean that that happens to anybody on a long trail but I didn't know if you were already kind of in decent shape to begin I was running at that time and um and after that through hike I've well I've maybe run here and there but you know I, I went on multiple runs every week and was keeping times, you know, and stuff like that and taking it pretty seriously. After I finished my first three, I, I have not run since it's all, it's all changed to like slow speed, long uh, hours kind of like training. Yeah. Um, and I, I did a little of both. I did a lot of urban hiking around Greensboro, but I was, I was doing, uh, you know, between 10 and 20 miles around the city three times a week or something like that. Um, so I kind of sweated some weight off. My rule is like, some people like to gain calories before, you know, pack on some, some fat to burn, but I would like my inner thighs not to touch. That's, that's my <laughs> training goal. Even if I'm like, get, get pounds elsewhere. I just, I want to get my legs in shape enough that doesn't cause like, then I know like the muscles are ready, but then I also know I'm going to avoid chafing, which yeah. is like, the number one thing that like will really rain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, so I was in like, you know, a decent enough shape to say that, but I still, I had no mountains under my belt and hadn't in a long time since like Boy Scouts. So the, um, being up at the, I guess the semi elevation of North Carolina still really kicked my butt and slowed me down a lot at the beginning. Yeah. But you know, like people when I'm that are taking on a through hike or they, I kind of say that the trail is going to, going to get you in shape pretty quickly. I mean, any, any preparation you can do before that will, will ease your pain and, and may lessen the chance that you just give up. But like, if you're moving forward out there, like it'll, it'll whoop you up pretty quick. You know? Yeah. Yep. Now does the trail, at least in the mountain part, is there a lot of, is it routed like the AT sometimes where it's just like pointless ups and downs and that sort of situation? Or is it, you know, more like the PCT where it's like this gradual I mean, I know the mountains of North Carolina are a lot different than out West, but I'm just curious how that works for you. works on the trail. Well, I've, I've never done any hiking out West, so I can't really compare, but, um, they're the hiking, like even this time around being, being like a little more mentally prepared as far as what to expect on the trail. Uh, cause this, like the sections of the mountains hadn't changed very much. They're kind of locked in for a lot of it, but all on the parkway, when you're paralleling the Blue Ridge Parkway for, about a week or more there's a lot of pointless up and downs because it's you know it's parallel to the road which is yeah. going up and down but at the same time you're getting killer views there's tons of like pull-offs um and parking and like kind of like uh, ccc type oh of, yeah like, nice old structures and people pulling off and like some like random 
kind of trail magic from people who don't know that they're giving you trail magic kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like you kind of rewarded for going through kind of the, the, P, the PUDs there. Um, and they just, I guess to my body, they felt pointless, but you know, like I said, like you're coming around a corner and taking in some breathtaking stuff. So I guess not completely pointless. But yeah. Yeah. It, you know, every trail got a challenge to keep it, you know, continue. It, it was tough up there. If, um, tool to like see my elevation gain or whatever and I, I can't be bothered to like try to do the math like by just looking at stats on a guide or anything mm-hmm. but um I mean I was I was wore out out there for the first 10 days to two weeks I mean it really it's just it's 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 up and down and up and down because that's what it is yeah know? right right yeah. right and then but once you get to like I guess coming off of, um stone mountain hanging rock hanging rock into um Elkin that's the last hill. And then, like I said, I don't know about the PCT, but if it's graded and rolling, that's certainly how it was <laughs> from Elkin to Raleigh. Right. You know? Right. So that's kind of nice about the MST is that like once, once you get the big stuff done, like you kind of like take that, that in shapeness you just got and really, you know, it's like putting the cruise control on after that point and go. Right. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So on that hike, that's kind of where things you, you flipped the switch and you said goodbye to kind of like this other temporary life. And, but, and you really just kind of upended your life. You, you know, you rented out your house and you, I guess you had a camper van and you did, you did like, I guess, van life, like in the city. Um, I mean, how, how many years did it take you? It took you another few years before you decided to do the Florida trail and where you, yeah. It was a long time between them. Um, you know, like while I was on the mountains of sea trail in 2012, I kind of like figured out like before I was done that, that I've been, I was affected enough that knew that I wanted more of that. And I wanted to pretty much just change all my goals in life to be able to make myself be able to hike more. Um, and, you know, I've, I've written also on my blog, my website about like that transition and like not looking in a mirror for that amount of time and not worrying about what I was going to put on to wear because it was the same outfit every day and just how like simplifying even beyond the the, the vanity, which, which was a huge part of it that I was happy, you know, to work on letting go, but like simplifying life and like only have responsibility for a small amount of things. Um, so when I came back, yeah, I, you know, I bought the house while I was doing hair and I was no longer doing hair. So I, I couldn't really justify the mortgage payment anymore. So rather than sell the home, I started renting it and hoping I could make enough income off of that to like maybe support a very simple, low cost life on the trail. And uh, it didn't turn out to be that that much uh, money to be able to yeah. uh, hike solely on that. So I uh, got a job at a, a bar in town and moved into my pickup truck, which I put like a little camper shell on the back of. So it was pretty stripped down there too. I, I couldn't have much with me and it was only six feet long, you know, so sleeping at a diagonal and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I did that for five months and I worked at, uh, this bar and I started at this bar as a dishwasher. I, I knew a lot of people that worked there. Um, but I, they started me out of the dish pit and kind of worked my way up to, uh, managing the, the liquid of the bar, the beverage director choosing, you know, which beers and liquors and wines to feature at the bar and stuff like that. Cause, um, that whole thing. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a dream job for me. And that, as that bar got busier and my responsibilities got more, um, I kind of couldn't leave it. You know, it was like, it was, 
it's something I'd wanted for a long time. Uh, uh, you know, as since be, kind of craft beer knowledge was my hobby, as, as kind of the ideal transition for me. Uh, Turn your hobby uh, into a career. Yeah, exactly. And coming off of like the cosmetology thing and, and to be able to work into something else I, I was interested in. So um, that's, that kind of explains why it took me so long. Cause I was kind of watching and being immersed in this company growing. I mean, it was already a busy bar, but we kind of had a, a, a very big few years there and there's still a very huge popular bar in Greensboro. I don't work there anymore, but um, you know, they're doing just fine without me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, you know, it was like something I couldn't like really step away from at the time for all good reasons. And um, after I'd uh, saved up enough money to, do another hike, you know, uh, that was, that was accomplished years before I quit this job because it was doing so well. But anyway, um, I met a woman online and were, was talking to this, this woman and, and, um, dating this woman long distance for a few years or probably, I think about a year and a half, maybe before I decided I wanted to move to Florida to live with, with her because she was from Tampa. And so like, the bet, like the uh, maybe the last two years working at this job in Greensboro, I had a plan to do the Appalachian Trail until it felt totally confident in my skills just from the one through hike on the MST. And then, um, kind of ran this by the significant other, and she said, Well, you know, I'd hate for you to move down here and then, you know, go away again for yeah. six months or eight months. And I, you know, that was a totally fair point. And I started looking into shorter hikes or more local hikes, and I found the Florida Trail and never heard of it before. And so, all my planning kind of switched from that, the AT, I already had the guidebook for the AT. I was already planning out food drops, just kind of put that on hold and got the Florida trail guide and started planning for that. And so, um, moved down there in September of 2017 and did the Florida trail. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Florida 2016 and did the Florida trail, 2017, January. Okay. Yeah. So you had a few, so you had a few months to kind of scope Florida out and see what it was all about before you hit the trail. Did you? Yeah, did for you- sure. And I've been visiting down there. I hadn't done a whole lot of outdoorsy stuff, but like I've read up on all, like I've read Sandra and John's Florida trail guide and was kind of nerding out on um, even peripheral stuff to the trail, like the Springs and kind of the history they were talking about um, was could not wait to do big Cypress was so uh, intimidated by that. And, you know, could not get enough information to feel prepared about big Cypress. Um, so yeah, when I moved down, I kind of like got settled and, and, but was always like planning that hike the whole time. And it's, it was still a long time to be gone, you know, for my girlfriend, you know, still like, I was there for like four or five months and then gone for a couple, for, yeah. you know, a month. <laughs> so, but, uh, she was supportive of that. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like rekindled my love for through hiking just in case it had, it had kind of dwindled or maybe I had a unique experience in 2012. It was totally solidified after having a, another awesome experience in 2017. Yeah. So, so, I mean, to, to go to that point is when you hit the Florida trail where you were immediately like, did your body just remember like, Oh yeah, well, this is, this is through hiking. This is it great. Really was. Yeah. <laughs> it was like riding a bike, like, and like, I don't know that you can be good at, or like more skilled at walking. I mean, I guess they have walking <laughs> at the Olympics, but I'm not talking like, I feel like when your body doesn't, shy away from that kind of like abuse that's kind of when that's the skill quote unquote the that it takes to yeah kind of enjoy or be efficient at through hiking and so like yeah my, my body didn't scream it was kind of like welcoming 
that feeling. It's like, and, uh, yeah. And then mentally also just right back in this like happy place, kind of like constant bliss kind of feeling on the first day, you know, and I started a, a day after the, um, the big like send off group started mm-hmm. just because of how my calendar worked out. So I was constantly catching up to all these people that, is, that had camped at the uh, campground down there near big Cypress. And so I kind of got like, a who's who of the whole group as I caught up to them over like the first week or two and, and you know, kind of got to spend my own special time with each little set or individual as, as we met. So it's like on the MST, I didn't meet anybody. There's no other through, there's one other through hiker going the opposite direction. The guy who happened to write the mountains of sea trail guide. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was doing the, uh, the MST for his fifth time on a skateboard and his oh, wow. Scott Ward Taba is his trail name. And he used to have the only guy for the MST. So running into him on that trail was awesome, but he was the only other hiker I met. And so I had, I still have zero, almost no experience hiking with other people. Um, it's always been solo, except for the, a little side trip I took in 2021. We'll talk about, but uh, yeah, so it was cool meeting like all these other hikers and hearing their stories. And just like, that just blew me up like with enthusiasm. So yeah yeah i mean and i i'm always excited to hear about people who who do get to hike in that initial group at the kickoff because that wasn't a thing when when we hiked and so it was just like it was just you know my husband and i until we got to orlando until we caught up to the group they started about a week before we did okay and it wasn't a kickoff per se but it was a group that was um it was chuck norris and his wife they were just kind of helping people out and so it wasn't like they were together, but not together. And, um, but yeah, it took us to Orlando to to catch them and then we passed them later, but then it was quiet again. So I completely know where you're coming from about hiking solo for so long. And then just like, ah, there's people. (laughs) What is this? What year did you do your your hiking? Uh, 2011. 2011. Dang. So the year before I did the MST though. Yeah. 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 2011. So, I mean, so was big Cypress. Did it live up to your expectations or, I don't know. I feel like every year it's like, oh, this was a dry year. You guys didn't get the hell, you know, that it could have been. But I mean, I, uh, that year it wasn't horrible. Like I, I got through there faster than I thought I would. And um, there's enough other people in the swamp that didn't feel like totally spooked out by um, what's what's lurking beneath the water. But there was also few enough that like if I was out first, you could see all the way to the bottom of the water. It was clear. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I think it'd be scarier to be behind somebody a bit with all the, the murky water. Cause that's, that's what kind of like makes me nervous. But yeah. um, I was, I got out of there, you know, I think uh, I was planning on three or four days and got out of there a, a day or 12 hours quicker than I thought it would, you know, um, because I think it was a little drier than it had been in previous years as far as like, the Facebook group was helping me. I was like, how, you know, how long do you think I'll make through here? Is it really yeah. one mile an hour pace? And people were like, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, when, I, when we got through there quicker, you know, a lot of people did, they were like, well, you just had a, a dry year. So yeah, that's the excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a far out, man. I mean, I've, there's nothing I've ever done like it. And uh, the second time I came through there, I was com- completely alone when I was heading southbound a few years later. And I spent most of the time yelling gator, yo gator. Gator, you know, just like it's not good to try to spook anything. So you know, that's a way to get through there if you're nervous. Yeah, that's funny. 
Um, so by the time you finished the Florida Trail in 2017, were you already planning your ECT hike or how did that come about later? I was definitely curious about that because the very first day I started, uh, Jupiter, who a lot of listeners might have heard of if they're in the hiking world, uh, he's from Florida and he was finishing his ECT uh, run, the, uh, or at least to Florida. He still had to go to the Keys, but he was finishing the Florida Trail per- portion of his e- southbound ECT hike. And he was setting a speed record that mm-hmm. day. And so I knew if I knew he was because I'd been following him on the Internet and I knew he was going to be in that area and about to finish. And so he passed me. I think I was about five miles into the trail. So he had five miles to go. And he, I think he was jogging when he came around the corner with this tiny little pack. And uh, and, you know, he took long enough to kind of like stop. I think might even jogged in place while we talked for a minute and, you know, told me what he was doing and how it had been. And, um, uh, you know, set the record. Uh, uh, a couple of days later, or maybe oh that day, yeah, he was finishing that day into the night. But so he told me about that, and so I had the whole rest of the hike to think about the ECT and what that would mean, and blew my mind to know that anybody uh, that that even existed, something that long. And so you know, began to to research it on while I hiked north on the Florida Trail, and um, I ran into another kind of famous hiker, or, or not kind of very famous hiker named uh, One Gallon, and he's a uh, old timer, paper maps, flip phone, no Facebook, no Instagram, um, uh, prolific canoeer has, you know, gone around the whole Eastern seaboard and canoed on a Lewis and Clark trail, bicycled around the world. And the most humble man, cause he didn't mention any of that to me while we shared a campsite uh, oh, wow. <laughs> around the levees. And the next, you know, as I hiked on, people kind of clued me into the, um, legend I had been, uh, you know, so blessed to hike with for a while. But uh, so then I started like, oh, who is this guy? And I realized that he was doing the Eastern Continental Trail northbound while we hiked together on the Florida Trail. He never mentioned it. Um, so, you know, when I realized that's what he was doing, I was like, wow, that that's really cool. You know, the time window, like with this well, hiking with the seasons all the way up north or south, whichever you chose to do. And when I ended up doing the ECT southbound, you know, there's Jupiter's entries in the journals up there like in the shelters you know in the trail journals and also sycamore who helped in jupiter plan you know seeing all these people um from the past who had um signed these books and then there it was one gallon uh (laughs) very end of the trail where we had hiked together that year you know uh six months later there is his signature that he had made it to canada and i saw that you know within the first week of me starting and i don't know man there's a lot of that on the trail where it's just all these serendipitous moments and then stars crossed and trails aligned and you missed each other by a mile or two and just, you know, just seeing evidence of that and knowing I'm part of it all. Um, yeah. It was a great, great way to start the trail, but yeah. yeah, that's how I got interested in it and started kind of thinking that was going to be the next thing to tackle. Wow. And, and then you did it. You, you basically, so you turned around in the next year is when you did that, right? In 2019 and 2020. It's a, uh, it was 2018. 18, 19. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So yeah, a year. Uh, wow. Yeah. A quick turnaround there for sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, on the AT was, how did that, I mean, you went southbound, so you probably had it a little bit uh, less crowded and a lot nicer, especially because you started a different time, time of year, but, and you went southbound. <laughs> I, you know, I love that. And I think I'd like to do the AT again, northbound just to get that experience, but like that's so much more of my style and, even, you know, I think I hit um, 
this I summited Katahdin on August 1st, I think. Uh, and so there was definitely northbounders already finishing. And so I kind of like got to the horde of the northbound, like the big ass bubble, uh, probably in Maine or like just below Maine. And then from there, there kind of like just saw the, you know, as everybody else dragged in and um, kind of had a tramily. Um, I've never really had an official one. Like the, pe- the tram- people I call a tramily, people like that I'll see at a, we'll be leapfrogging for days. I'll see them at a campsite at night and I'll hike with nobody all day. And then two days later, they'll show up to that campsite, you know? Yeah. Like I, never, I never had like a side-by-side hiking partner with anybody, but the people I was leapfrogging and seeing, you know, every couple of days, there was probably, um, you know, t- 12 or f- 14 southbounders that were kind of all keeping pace together. So that was cool. Cause like on the Florida trail, I had seen people, but like not spent a day or a night with them except for duck. Uh, who I'm still friends with and helped me on the ECT too. And is like Florida man extraordinaire. He's representing down there for everybody. Yep. (laughs) So I I spent a lot of time with him on Florida trail 2017. That's the only other time I'd like tried to keep pace or hike with anybody. So it was cool to have people, you know, to talk to and share the experience with. Um, But I was very glad to be kind of like through that, the bubble, because I couldn't be bothered like walking up to a big ass, um, just a sprawling, yeah mini mini festival <laughs> right right on the shelter and stuff you know um I, I i am a people person i'm an extrovert except when i'm not but like um it's a little too much for me like uh lots of like lots of folks at, yeah. at one spot so southbound was perfect for me like like i said i do want to see how it is moving with so many more people and meeting so many more people but it was just enough for me uh what i got on the appalachian trail yeah in canada though you know, uh, Jupiter and also uh, Andrew Skirka, uh, who's done that section of uh, the SIA in Canada, which is the International Appalachian Trail uh, above Maine. Um, Skirka back in the day said it was some of the most rigorous hiking he'd ever done. And you know, Jupiter warned me that it would be pretty hard. And, and it was, it kicked my butt the same way the MST did uh, the first time, like starting in the mountains, not having any like warm up to that. Yeah. Um, but that was, the, some of my fondest memories were that, and it was so, um, sol- so much solitude out there, just sweat my ass off and just moving at a snail's pace and just taking break after break up these hills, but seeing no one for four to five days until you come into a small village and then you see everyone and <laughs> you're resupplying and then you're back into nothing, you know? So I kind of got spoiled on that. And then it was a nice transition to, to come into AT Southbound where, Yes, there were a lot of other people, probably a hundred a day in some sections. Oh my God. You no, know, I mean like the whites and, and uh, New York state and uh, Massachusetts were all still really crowded just from day hikers too. Yeah. But it was, it, it was just, it was a nicer transition because I could keep moving past it all. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of like get, take it where I needed it as far as like talking to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but yeah, I love the Appalachian Trail. It would have been a dream for a long time. I was happy. It was a part of the puzzle piece I was doing. But it definitely like you definitely knew where the start and the end of that trail were and that you were on it the whole time. You know, it was definitely like a yeah. very loud segment. Of, <laughs> and I don't mean like uh, literally, but just like, bam, it's the Appalachian Trail. You, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah, you're finally on it. And uh, so it was a great time. And it was definitely lonely coming off of it because back on the Penhody, there's, you know, white ride back into solitude, you know. Yep. 
Yeah. Now I was going to ask on the Pinhoti. I think, <laughs> did you get to meet Nimblewell Nomad? I did. So I finished the AT in December. It was snowing. I think there's like six or eight inches of snow on um, at the at the at Springer Mountain, and I finished it at night. And it wasn't the greatest. Yeah, <laughs> I was feeling pretty low. And uh, and kind of the next few days on the Benton Mackay, and then onto the beginning of the Pinhoti, were just absolute solitude with snow. And I was kind of like, man, I've been out here for four months, and that was one of the first kind of like whoa yeah, loneliness really started to set in and uh but someone was like well nibble wills living in flag mountain right there now the caretaker hut and if you're lucky you know maybe he'll be there so that kind of was the new goal in my mind and um like i could really i could see it was almost like uh, i don't know like like playing a video game where you're like racing and you can play yourself to see if you can beat your time and there's just a ghost image of you from the last race and i kept <laughs> seeing like not like Nibblewill's spirit, but just kind of this like generic ghost image of a, of a man walking in front of me that I was like in their footsteps. And so I finally made it to the end of the Penhody Flag Mountain on January 1st, 2019, and uh, had some locals had brought up some people that now have a Penhody Outdoor Center, like kind of hostile situation down there. They had nobody opened it yet, but they had come up to the mountain to bring some food to Nimblewill and all this New Year's Day, good luck food, you know, black eyed mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> Nimblewill hugged me and was like, I'm so proud of you. And like, you know, I'd never met him before. I didn't know he like knew I was coming or anything like that. And just like, you know, he's proud of anybody because he's done it and he knows what it takes. And so like, you don't, you don't have to have an intimacy to like be proud of or impressed by someone else who's done something, you know, is hard, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. So having that hug from him was pretty gratifying. And uh, up on top of flag mountain, he lives in one of the CCC huts from the 1930s. They're just these like rock kind of like cabins mm-hmm. and they each have a fireplace and a couple cots in them. And uh, I mean, the flag mountain's like open for people to come, but like, there's not people staying in these cabins generally, unless it's a hiker I found out. So he's like, you can stay in one of these cabins. He built me a fire. I slept on his cot. He's like, stay the week, you know, like hang out if you want to. And like, we had some breakfast in the morning for some food that was left over in this little like kitchen building But I had to keep moving. Um, so I did. And uh, that was like super, super special. Uh, the night before he put me on like a little four wheeler, he got up there and we drove all around the property and went up to the, the highest point on flag mountain, which, for those that don't know much about the Pinhoti, the Flag Mountain, the southern point of the Pinhoti was supposed to be the southern point of the Appalachian Trail in the beginning stages of planning. And because that's the last mountain peak on the Appalachian mountain range. Um, so it was kind of like, yes, I finished the Pinhoti. Yes, I'm at the sky. Yes, that's the last mountain. Like, wow, this kind of overwhelming. Um, but he drove me up to the top of Flag Mountain where there's a lookout tower. The tower was closed and uh like the wood, the wooden stairs inside were kind of like broken, <laughs> like in disrepair. And there was like some bees nest, but he was like, if you want to go up there, you know, just promise not to fall. I'll, I'll let you climb the tower. <laughs> so of course I wanted to and went up there and looked and uh, just had like a special night with that guy. And um, it was, and yeah. you know, like who, I, it's so like good on him for choosing to live there because like now every pilgrim on that trail will come face to face with him, you know? Yeah. Hope he does that as long as he can. It's very yeah. special. Yeah. And I think it's also probably helped publicize the Penhody Trail a little bit more than it 
used to be known uh, as well. Just just the uptick in, you know, Pinhoti Trail hikers and ECT hikers that I've seen in the last just two or three years. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I would attribute that too to um, apps and guides because when I started the ECT, there was no Pinhoti Trail guide app. There was only paper maps and like hand, like, like worded directions like take a left after three three miles oh, like, wow. just, like words right now and i think midway through the appalachian trail um gut hooks released a pinhoti trail guide and so that made it a lot easier uh for everybody so now the entire they have an sia the um centenier international appalachian which is the french uh for that international appalachian trail up in canada they have a guide for that now so you can, the whole trail is now, you know, digitally available. So I think that has helped a lot with people doing it as well. It's like a lot easier to tackle the logistics. Right. Um, but for sure, though, um, he's definitely driving some popularity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, after you say goodbye to N- Nimble Will Nomad, you're basically, your next goal is Florida and, you know, returning to the Florida trail. Yeah. And so you come through you know, the Blackwater River uh, State Forest and you cross the border and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what are your feelings? You're like, okay, I'm back in Florida. Did, did you have any feelings? Yeah. Like feelings were big about, cause I had moved away from Florida by that time. I had broken up with my girlfriend. And so there wasn't like a whole lot of baggage. It's like, oh, this this was my home for a year and like I'm back. So there was that. And then I was starting in, um, the Blackwater section, which, you know, my good pal Flat Top, Sean uh, from Crestview, always talks about the Blackwater section. I heard his, uh, he and Frosty's episode on on your podcast, and yeah. he definitely, like, <laughs> talked it up and made me want to see it. So I knew I was going to see that, and um, my uh, cousin's husband, uh, who grew up near Pensacola, I believe, came from Georgia to meet me and do, like, five days with me. And so he was waiting at one of the shelters in Blackwater uh, at night. I saw this huge fire from afar and he told me he was going to meet me somewhere in the trail there. And he had brought a bunch of beers and ever doing a trail uh, for the second time, you know? And so like I talked a little bit and some videos I've done on second time trails now about not being completely, um, you know, I have some wherewithal. I, I, like when I'm on a trail, I have no idea. I just like a dot on a map and I don't really understand where I am in relation to things. And I'm really bad about that too. When I'm trying to describe where I am to other people, I'm just like, I, I don't know what town I am. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not here in the woods, but now I kind of knew to anticipate some places that were coming up. Oh, okay. Like 20 miles are going to be here tonight. That campsite from last time. I remember that. And so there's all this kind of like homesick, like mini homesick feelings like, oh, I can't wait to get back to that place. I remember the emotions I was feeling two years ago at this place. And and like, you know, you see where you are emotionally compared to you were back to, to how you were back then. And, you know, just see uh, how things have changed, but also like anticipating those feelings of familiarity. So I'm like, and having done the MST this year, the opposite direction, or not the opposite direction, uh, but for a second time, you know, again, these feelings of, of uh, familiarity and kind of uh, nostalgia for for how it was before, but also appreciating how different it is. It's that's kind of like a, an extra layer that I'm really digging. So, kind of, I think doing trails twice and also opposite direction it kind of might be a fun, um, yeah, kind of thing to chase. Yeah, for sure. I mean, each trail, each even if you've done the AT, you know, you know. 30 times or 
10 times like some people have every oh, every time is a new experience yeah, um sure. it's always different i mean and obviously you came to the florida trail and you know right off the bat you know hurricane michael had been through not that long before and i you know parts of the trail was still closed when i came through and uh some of the post office i was sending a uh, to be selfish for a minute. Uh, so the post office I was sending my food to weren't going to be open. So that was really <laughs> going to be a bummer for me. Uh, but that was easy to figure out. And that's when I first went to the Hillcrest Baptist Church um, and Wilton Quattlebaum that works there, who is a saint and uh, helps through hikers. Uh, some trail angel, uh, it might have even been Sandra or Chris. Uh, who told me, oh, we should reach out to Wilton. Like you're probably sending food to his church, you know, if the post office is closed in that area. So I did. And um, I didn't really understand like what they had going on there. I was like, are you the pastor? He's like, no, no, I just work here, but you're welcome to come on through. We'll cook you a sausage or something. And I was like, this sounds like really nice and too good to be true. But like, yeah, if y'all could just pick up that package, that'd be great. And um, when I got there, you know, there's a church there's people in the parking lot which happen to be outside when i walk up and like come on in we're gonna feed you and happen to be the night that they were having like a potluck for the church and then they had a church service and then like well you don't have to sleep outside in a tent you can sleep inside the church and we'll give you the keys and you can just stay in here overnight and eat whatever you want and if you need to leave in the morning fine but if not like wilton will be back and he'll cook you some breakfast and so i didn't realize like what a oasis that was and then I realized that their church had also undergone, you know, damage from mm -hmm. the, from the storm. And they were there, you know, still taking in people when, when they like literally needed the resources for their own structure and their own church and their own people. They had members of their church who had lost their homes also like staying at the church and they just weren't afraid to take on more people. Um, so that, that was just like, jaw dropping to like be immersed in that situation kind of the uh the the, the repair and like what what it meant to the, the local community how they were dealing with it and like right. not just to walk by and see trees knocked down but to be you know camping beside someone who had lost their home right um and so there were some sections that i didn't get to do that time um Altha was definitely closed uh the part right after the air force base was technically open, but um, Flat Top and Spirit had gone there through there like a, a week before or something and just been just inundated with the, the fall downs and the trees and really hard, difficult to navigate and get difficult to get through. So Sean recommended the alternate road walk around that. I can't remember the name of the section right after the Air Force Base. Is it uh, the Nagusi? Nagusi? I, I did Nagusi, but after that. Oh, okay. Right before... Um, I can't remember, darn it. Those uh, Florida names, man, they're hard to yeah. keep <laughs> pronounce them wrong when I do remember, but so I had to skip that, had to skip econ fine, econ fine. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then, yeah. but right before that, there's a small uh, uh, pine, pine log state forest, maybe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So that was really rough. And then econ fine. I actually walked in econ fine to find a camp spot. So I did like a couple miles into there and then realized why they had it closed. So came back and road walked and made it to, um, Wilton and the, um, Hillcrest Baptist Church, but so, and then Alpha after Hillcrest Baptist Church. So those three sections were just rough. And um, I came back later after I finished the ECT, about a month later, I had some like trail guilt about skipping those. And <laughs> I knew that the um, crews had been out working a little bit. So I was able to do Alpha and, um, and uh, the, uh, the Pine Trail Log. Road. 
I'm sorry, what'd you say? Would you pine log or? I wasn't able to do pine log okay. yet either, but um, Alta and then um, once you get into uh, the forest after there, where, where uh, the Brad, Bradbow Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad, Apalachicola into there. Yeah, Apalachicola. Um, when, when I came through there, it was like 33 degrees that morning. And uh, that first big trench of water into Bradwell Bay was up to like my belly button. And I was like, this isn't safe. I'm not doing it. So I road walked around that because it was so darn cold. Mm-hmm. So I came back about a month after finishing the ECT and I did Alpha and the Bradwell Bay and then um, the loop road from Big Cypress down to Miami essentially it's like a seven seven mile yeah yeah Have you yeah. done that yeah yeah that that was the hairiest hiking I did on the entire ECT <laughs> <laughs> like crawling that's what I thought Big Cypress is going to be like you know crawling through tunnels of briars and brambles in water like on hands and knees um saw seven uh water moccasins like four of them were babies three big ones um and just uh mud 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 that that was some of the most challenging hiking and like gnarly swamp stuff i've done i don't so, think that like, section is maintained like it used to be when no, the, not, when that when the trail was started on yeah, loop road uh, yeah for sure yeah, but yeah. when you did it in 2011 was that part of it then yeah it was that's okay. where we started we had friends drive us down on loop road and we started down there and did that wow. seven or eight miles to oasis and um, we had done that section before and yeah that middle section in the slough there is just is hard and that it's that last slog to oasis is just yeah. Oof, brutal yeah <laughs> and so i was coming out of the other direction and yeah i had regrets i was like was this even like worth it but you know once i got past the halfway mark i was in it to one and i was glad i got those official miles done on the ect you know there's a lot of parts on the ect where it's kind of choose your own adventure like the road walk on out from uh, flag mountain to uh uh, to, to the Blackwater section of Florida through Alabama is kind of hard to follow. There are yellow markers, but um, it's, you know, it's 200 miles kind of any, any way you cut it, even if you're like taking a parallel road here to there. Right. Um, and then again, uh, you know, when you get past pretty much Florida trail, it's like a lot of ECT hikers just hike down that main, you know, alligator alley highway to get to, um, Homewood, I guess, is down there. I think that's what Homes, Homestead, yeah. Homestead, yeah. yeah. Starting keys, but the Loop Road is the official. That's that's how Neville Will did it, and so I wanted to go back and and get that done officially. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then I mean, you you saw you hiked the Western Corridor, and you hiked to think basically the opposite of what you did the first time on the Florida right. Trail. So I mean, Every was chance, it yeah. was it good to see like how how different it was? absolutely like like i said like the nostalgia bits on parts i'd already done were awesome but uh, seeing new stuff like the blackwater the western corridor and then the other side of lake okeechobee um you know i understand why most people do the eastern corridor instead of the western corridor like western corridor is cool but like eastern corridor is probably a little cooler when it comes to like what you're looking at on a daily basis and the uh you know the the type of hiking you're doing um you're just seeing a lot more of those prairies and uh, springs and where on the Western corridor, it's more wooded and you're on bike path a lot or road walking. And uh, it's just not as like glamorous, I guess. Yeah. But you can also get a lot done because you're on a lot of paid bike paths and stuff. I I don't mind a road walk. You know, I I like getting, I can get a good pace on it and you know, you're passing water fountains and bathrooms usually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like you can, you can get some stuff done. Um, so I liked that about the Western corridor, um, but I did miss like 
all those springs and the Ocala and all that stuff from the Eastern. And I think technically the Western was like a, a little bit longer, but that, that really didn't matter. When yeah. It came down that. But yeah, I went back in uh, 2021, the spring before I did the mountain sea trail this summer, just to kind of get back in shape. Flat top was uh, telling me that Pete's dragon, who had I met briefly um, on the ECT going southbound and this other guy, Nemo were all out there and wanted to do the Western corridor. Um, and I was the only one who had done it before. And so they're like, come on down. Let's, you know, <laughs> you can be the guide. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't get to do the whole thing with them. I was only out there for like four or five days. Uh, we started at uh, uh, the, the, the uh, gas station, whatever, and where you camp behind the 88 uh, store. Yep. The 88 store. <laughs> Sorry. I'm blanking. That's all started right. There, uh, uh, Hazel, Sean's now fiance uh, dropped us off. Flat top fiance dropped us off. And, uh, we, I made it down, you know, a uh, hundred miles or so with them, um, and had to bail, had something come up at home. So I had to get the world's most expensive Uber drive ride back to the 88 <laughs> tour. Uh, so they all finished. I think it took them another week or something, but like, even that trail was really different, like doing it with them. Um, you know, we chose different spots to camp and it was raining really hard for the last couple of days, but it was dry. Like, throughout the other bits. So like there's a river I had to ford uh, on the, when I did it in 2019 on the ECT, there was the only Ford I actually had to swim. Like my backpack was keeping me afloat and I was oh, wow. around across this river and I was talking it up the whole time and I'd already bailed and gone back home by the time the other three guys made it to the river and they sent me these pictures. It's like, it's like two feet deep, <laughs> but you can see the watermark on the tree where it was when I, you know, came through. And I was like, I swear it was, you know, I wasn't lying trying to get you guys scared. But so it was different in a lot of regards that way. And um, also, like, uh, I, I need to expose myself to hiking with other people more and just like learning to um, kind of like work with a group mentality as far as pace and campsites. And, you know, I've been spoiled on just having to only care about myself. So, um, you know, I was trying to get more used to that. And, and I enjoyed that. Those guys were awesome hikers and, and trail mates. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, doing the Western tour with them again. And then, uh, the Okeechobee, the other side of Okeechobee, again, I understand why, uh, why the, the normal way is what it is because there's a lot more exposed walking, um, on the East side of, or the East side of West. Yeah. The East side of Okeechobee is the, the less traveled, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a lot more like, um, industrial kind of towns that aren't as built up as the more touristy, like fishing, uh, towns on the other side of the lake, there's less, less cover, um, and maybe a little bit less resupply, but it was cool. I had a lot of people like pull over on that side of the lake. Like they were driving around the road near the trail and asked me what I was doing, you know, offer me rides or food or beer. And so even though it was a little less like, uh, again, a little less glamorous, but there's still plenty of like people that uh, were curious and, and helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you finished the ECT and the keys after at the, at the end of that, were you, I don't know if you did any other hiking after that in 2020. Um, had, were you already kind of brewing up the MST rehike or did you just like, I just need a break. That was a yeah. long, I mean, you did put in thousands of miles and you know, I needed a break physically for sure. Like I, I had some like foot issues after like plantar fasciitis and some other like tendon issues. So, um, 
I've definitely taken like a load off for sure and putting all that weight back on. Uh, got a job back at the same bar in a different position, just in the kitchen this time. There was a little more or a little less responsibility. So I'd be able to uh, uh, cut ties and bounce out on the next trail a little easier instead of being dug in so deep with the, with the company. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just took the time, the year to save up the money, honestly. And then COVID happened. And, uh, you know, after a year of being quarantined and, and, and working through the pandemic, um, I was, I knew exactly the medicine that I needed. Yeah. To on a <laughs> and the MST was the closest, again, same reasons from 2012. I knew it had changed a lot. I wanted to see what was different about it. And it's right outside my back door. It was going to cost it would be the cheapest thing to do, you know what I mean? And I thought I could get it done pretty quickly. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's almost a decade, almost a decade change in that yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of change. Yeah. And um, so I was doing some practice hiking around here on, there's a section of MS, the MST that goes to Greensboro. So I've been using that to, to practice on. It has a little bit of hills and elevation and um, just um, in the middle of in September of 2020, my friend Dustin had a medical emergency where he uh, had a heart attack and then did a code blue on the way to the hospital, which mm. was technically dead for a couple minutes. And they resuscitated him, but because of uh, him coding for those, that time, he had traumatic brain injury, which affected small spots all over his brain, uh, you know, just brain dead spots from the lack of oxygen and stuff. And then his kidneys also failed because of that. And, um, you know, when they were able to resuscitate him, uh, but he was kind of so out of it, he didn't understand where he was. And uh, they had him on dialysis because of his kidneys and he was pulling the dialysis cords out, you know, he, oh my God. It was because he didn't understand what was going on. And um, so they're like, you know, if he doesn't get through dialysis, he's not going to make it. And because of COVID, he was like, it was all quarantine and stuff. And it was kind of like in the middle of it. And he's 30 four years old when this happened, by the way. But so they finally let his wife in, like let her bypass the COVID restrictions of visitors and stuff. So she could hold his hand and be with him. So he could, you know, get through the dialysis. So he made it through and his kidneys started functioning again. So he's off the dialysis, which is huge. Oh, wow. And so after hearing about that, you know, I knew something had happened to him. And when like that, when she shared that with me, um, you know, I asked her, I said, look, I'm going on a hike. I know I'm going to do this, but if there's any way I can help you through this, um, I just feel kind of guilty knowing y'all are dealing with this while I kind of go lollygag through the forest. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So if, if you're willing to share, and that's the biggest thing, were they willing to share their story? Because, you know, not, not everybody's comfortable sharing that intimate part of their life. And she was like, I think it's a great idea. And so big props to her. You know, all I did was walk, but uh, she maintained the pledged website and page and was emailing all the new donors and mailing out little bracelets we had made and stuff. Um, so I had had the idea of the hike before and I tied that fundraiser in knowing I was already going. And um, we had a goal of $25,000 and we hit it on uh, the very last day. Uh, we, fin- we hit the goal and uh, it's been huge for them. And he is, uh, he's coming along really well. Uh, I could see a huge difference from the day, the week before I left, when I saw them to the 43 days later and 43 days. Uh, I think I have that right. It might be 41, but that's how long it took me this time. And that's how many days Dustin was in the ice in the hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, so kind of like significant there. Yeah. But, um, he is They're They're expecting a child. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I think is with him. Like he, he, he remembers 
who I am and, and who his wife is and how to get to his house and stuff. But um, he is, he'll kind of have a reset and he, he may ask you the same question, you know, more than once. And so it's, it's, it's hard for them to like tie down where the, uh, where the, which parts of the brain are damaged and what the damages are and stuff like that. So just a huge thing going forward is, um, is, is the rehab, you know, with, with his memory and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, they had huge hospital bills, but now going forward, you, you know, the, there'll be a lot of uh, therapies going forward. Right. They're doing really, really good. And it's huge, great news. Um, they're so happy that they're, uh, going to have a child for Dustin to see and know and love. So, yeah, especially uh, because, you know, last year who, they didn't know what was going to happen. And oh man, yeah. it sounds just, I mean, it just goes to show, like you said, you know, we're off, we could lollygag in the forest and then, you know, <laughs> we get hit by a car, <laughs> something yeah, happens to us. That can happen to anybody at any time. And, you know, it puts things in perspective, especially after a year of, of loss for everyone around the world. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a so super significant and having that as a motivator, uh, having that as something to talk to people about as I met them on the trail just drove up a whole different kind of support and a kind of like uh, um, just a, like, you know, people wanted to pray with me. People wanted to donate to me on the spot. People wanted to, you know, there's only certain people that's just going to want to are interested in going watching your videos of you hiking around the woods, but there's a lot more people who are interested in hearing a story of healing and triumph. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it just brought on this whole extra facet to the amazing thing that is through hiking. And now I'm like, can I ever do another hike without fundraising? You know, now that I see the potential for it, um, it, it, it will, it will just be different moving forward uh, without, without that being part of it. And I hope that I can, you know, I think it's, it's still important to hike for yourself, but uh, you know, just now knowing how many people care and how many people get behind a cause when you're out there putting yourself on the line, it's, uh, it's pretty great. Well, that's what I was going to ask because there, you know, I've seen different people hiking for different causes over the years. You know, there's been a few people write books about, you know, what they've hiked causes for, you know, on, yeah. and the AT, you know, in the last 20 years. Right. But, you know, not all, not all of these are successful in reaching their end goal. I mean, what yeah. do you think made yours a success in, in reaching that goal? Or in, was it just you being sharing the story and having those those moments? Or was it just that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know if you even know the answer to that. But what made it successful? Because, like, how could you how would you hopefully be able to repeat that in the future? Yeah. Um, well, I found a site, uh, pledgeit.org that was, that let me, um, tie the fundraiser to the miles I was hiking. So having like an incremental amount that people could donate, some people are donating a penny a mile, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, that would add up to like a 10 or $11. So like, I think that was easier for some people to chew on, um, the bar. So I know Dustin from the bar, Jake's billiards that we worked at that I've been talking about. And, uh, the Jake's family, as we call them, so all our regulars and our clientele, which are many and far reaching, um, are a super supportive group. So there is, some sh- you know, some peripheral fi- uh, social media sharing that happened through them that absolutely helped. Um, you know, there's a lot of people from the traumatic brain injury or just from Dustin's family that had no idea or interest about hiking that all of a sudden were interested because of it and vice versa. My hiking community was all of a sudden interested in the traumatic brain injury 
community. So just kind of a lot of crossover and a lot of support, like from all the groups kind of networked together through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, it was the first time I ever did like daily videos on my YouTube channel. And the first time I ever tried to like edit things on trail and I wasn't great at it, but I got some videos up there and they had, you know, the link to, to um, donate through. So I know that helped a bit. I, I, I wish I was better at that stuff and the practice makes perfect, I guess. But yeah. um, I think that was part of it as well. I hope it was part of it. I hope that extra work was worth it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But I'm, I'm so bad about it too. Like I still, I think I'm only up to day 35. I'm so bad about editing and getting it up on the internet. So I've got like six more days to edit and get up there. <laughs> the, 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 the fundraiser has been over for several months now. So it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always impressed by the people who do manage to edit videos in their tents when they've been hiking all day. And I mean, it's hiking stressful enough. I'm just like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) You're crazy. It was rough, man. It was like more exhausting doing that than hiking 30 miles, you know? Yeah, right. Um, Well, I do want to try to kind of wrap things up a little bit. I wanted to touch over a couple of things. First is like, I really appreciated your Trail Angel shout outs you had on your Instagram uh, feed there just kind of talking about the different people you've interacted with because I think yeah. you know it's even though as much as you as much as you hiking by yourself you're still interacting with people along the way and those people are almost almost like the people that's what makes the trail sometimes is is Absolutely. those interactions that's with people yeah for sure so is there anybody you would like to shout out and talk about I mean you talked about a few people so far but is there anybody else you'd like to highlight man you know uh today I knew we would talk about this. So I was kind of making a list of uh, the people that have helped me and I filled up multiple pages of paper. So it would take so long to shout out everybody, but um, that is, yeah, I just want to stress that in 2012, I, I was my first through hike. I wanted to like have this discovery in the solitude and well on the MST anyway, that just wasn't possible. But like in my planning, I was trying to avoid staying with trail angels or getting any help. Cause I just wanted to be like, self-sufficient in the woods and I'm, um, I met a woman named Laura who was a hiker and she said, oh no, like that's, that's what you need to focus on. You need to reach out to every single one of them that you can, because you're going to want to meet all those people. And I didn't believe her until I did have to reach out to the first one. And, uh, you know, they brought me in their home and I slept in a bed, uh, in a room down the hall or, you know, downstairs from their two daughters and, you know, they cooked me food and I was a complete stranger and I was in their house. And, um, I just didn't believe that that kind of stuff happened anymore. And then the next night I stayed with another trail angel. So Josh and Maisie, um, were that first family. And then just down the Blue Ridge Parkway were Tom and Teresa who did the same thing on their homestead and, and cooked me food and let me take food with them. Um, and then my, some other people, Katie and Mike up in the Boone area brought me in out of the rain and, um, near Raleigh, Ben Rogers and his family came and picked me up. I mean, these people would drive and Ben drove over an hour to the trail to pick me up all the way back to his house, cook food, shower, all that stuff late to work the next morning. Cause he had to drive me an hour to get me to the trail. And so many people, I could just name so many people, but they all sacrifice like that. But on, on this recent trip, the first time I'd kind of ever been sponsored, uh, was by a company called Southern Terps and they are a CBD and hemp company. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy who's local to Greensboro and the triad area and does 
home delivery to the door and also mails uh, product out. So he has gummy edibles, uh, salves and flowers. And I used to think the CBD thing was all like Wookiee science. <laughs> and on the Appalachian Trail on my ECT hike in 2018, somebody gave me a CBD salve and to rub on my ankles and muscles and stuff. And that stuff was unreal. It felt like a new leg the next day. So I was sold on it. So uh, Ryan hooked me up at Southern Turps, Carolina carts with um, CBD cartridges, gummies and flowers and all this stuff I could and salves. So I was hooked up with that and uh, he completely donated those for free and totally performance enhancing drugs there for sure. <laughs> I don't think I could get some of the big miles in without some of that. Um, and then a honey bun, you know, honey bun from Florida. Yeah. Eleni. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She lives in North Carolina now mm-hmm. and uh, reached out. She does a lot of Appalachian trail trail, uh, trail angeling there where it comes through the Smokies, but knew I was coming on the MST and made a point of driving her car out to the trail with beverages and food. And we hung out for like a good amount of time there by the road and the trailhead. And then, uh, She's like, look, if it doesn't work out, you know, it's, I know it's a little difficult in this next section to find camping, just holler. And, uh, sure enough, she was right. Uh, so I reached out to her and she came, picked me up, brought me to her apartment. We had dinner and, and I slept in the apartment, got a shower and she took me back out to the trail the next day. So it was great nice. having someone I met on the Florida trail. This is a, a, a person we know from Florida has now moved to North Carolina and still keeping on, keeping up the torch of helping people. So I definitely wanted to give her a shout out. Um, um, I'm just so many people, um, and another friend of mine up there, Justin Powell drove out of his way to take me to get a, a water filter. Cause mine froze in the middle of the night. That was another thing that was difficult about the trails, like in the twenties. And when I started in the mountains this spring, and then by the time I got to the beach, it was, you know, in the nineties. So wow, <laughs> swings there on the East coast too. Uh, but yeah, um, then some other, another guy I'd never met before, Soy Boy, drove out of his way from Charlotte to come all the way out to Morganton and bring me and some other hikers some food and beers. And um, on the MST, a lot of fire departments let you sleep on their property. And oh, nice. again, again, almost like a church, here are the keys. Here's the alarm code to get in the door. <laughs> I'm by myself sleeping with fire trucks. I could have like called in. <laughs> I was at control. Like there was a microphone to call on like fires and like do alarms and stuff. Totally trusted me to come in there and do that. Um, so, I mean, just the trail provides and, and people trust the hikers and, and it's amazing. And I hope uh, the hiking community respects all the people who do so much for us out of the goodness of their heart and, uh, and keeps treating them and the facilities they allow us to use with respect. Yeah. 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 So, no, for sure. And I think, I think I was, when you said you had pages of it, it made me really like take to heart, like all the different people that I've come across and just, you know, brief moments on the trail, like, oh, you're hiking the AT. Oh, here's an apple. And like, I don't know their name. I, we talked to them for three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know how important it is. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, I haven't had fresh fruit in like two weeks. Sure. (laughs) You know? (laughs) so it's it's all those moments that i definitely i appreciate what you've taken your time to even think about that a little bit um so i mean do you have any final thoughts on uh, i mean just all that you've done and and do you have any any plans for anything for next year what's on the agenda for you 
Yeah, the West Coast is coming. I got to go out there this summer and visit some friends of mine in Washington and Oregon. And I'm like sitting out there doing some day hikes and we camped one night and, and I'm just like, you're in this temperate rain, like, like just rainforest looking like beautiful trees and this lush environment, but I'm not breaking a sweat because there's no humidity. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking <laughs> for my whole life in North Carolina. And uh just, I didn't realize I can't, people have been telling me, you know, once I go out West, I'm never going to come back. Um, cause just kind of the lifestyle and the people, but also the hiking. And so I think it's finally time to start tackling some of that. I've got an itch, um, an itch to get out there now that I've experienced it a little bit. I don't know what it'll be, but, uh, probably something out there or maybe just a little short one over here to tie me over while I plan. Um, but the, you know, the thing that's affected me most about these trails is, simplifying like I was talking about just having less material things to be responsible for and having like a discipline and a method to your everyday setting up camp striking camp uh you know unfolding this repacking that and it gets very zen and um you kind of can bring that back to your life you know um all your friends that hike that's they only want to talk about hiking and, you know, they're always ready to talk about their hike and maybe my friends aren't always interested in it, but I think they can always respect and see kind of the way um, that hiking attitude projects itself into my regular life as far as um, downsizing and minimizing um, things that you need to be responsible for and focusing on experience and, um, and what you can gain from meeting other people and helping them and or them helping you so it's church you know um it's it provides like a lot of the feelings uh of of taking on of, of receiving help and giving back gratitude and vice versa giving help and receiving gratitude and it just trains you to take that attitude into your normal life and appreciate you know you appreciate that apple because you hadn't had it in three weeks and you know a lot of us come from privileged places in our regular lives where we're not often it's instant gratification all the time. We're not often um, made to, to be without. And so when you get out on the trail, you're putting that on yourself, you know um, you're without the luxuries and that makes you appreciate everything even more. And, you know, I think everyone you've ever interviewed who through hikes has some sentiment, of yep. about, you know, <laughs> And so that's, that's what I find precious about it. And that's what keeps me coming back. Yeah. Now I have one final question because I realized I didn't ask it earlier. So summer time, how, how did that trail name happen? Oh man. Yeah. So uh, this is probably going to be a point of contention, but um, I, I did not receive that. That is not a trail. I didn't get that name on trail. That's a nickname I had in my life before I started. Okay. It kind of uh, is a, representative of a persona kind of like uh my kind of like living life to the fullest persona so it made sense to take that attitude with me on trail and enough people kind of knew me as that um on social media and stuff that was able to easy to transition like uh people on social media and friends of mine and family that knew me that way to just well now this is my trail life um so that that might be you know okay 
you know, some people might not like that I didn't officially get it on trail, but you know, that's all right. A real trail name one time, but it's a brand at this point, you know. So yeah, it is Sammer Time. Well, I, to me, I every time I hear it, it's Sammer Time, I think of Hammer Time. It's Hammer Time. Exactly, and it's funny when I'm uh, describing it to people if they're our age or older. I'm like, you know, it's like Sam, like Hammer Time, MC Hammer. Like oh okay, and if they're younger, they're like I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> and then right. if they're really old, I'll be like it's like summertime, but with an A. Right. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned your YouTube earlier. Do you want to pitch like your YouTube and Instagram so folks can find you? And I'll put it in the show notes so people. Oh, are, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'd yeah. like to see um, some 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 pictures shot from a phone and me um, <laughs> talking to myself uh, in the middle of the woods. There can see um my instagram sam time saunters same with the youtube like i said i'm still working on getting uh there's a daily video for every single day of the mountains of sea trail this time around and um i'm to the coast on my channel i've made it 35 days i've got a few more to edit and get up there they'll be up soon um my website has gear reviews and how to plan for different through through hikes i've done before with all links to all the maps and the information that you would need to plan for those along with my gear list and food list with weights and descriptions so a lot of people find that very helpful and that's samertimesaunters.com and there's links to everything from there perfect, perfect. well thank you so much for taking the time to chat i know the people who have recommended you it was Elaney was one of them who recommended oh, you to come yeah. on the podcast. So yeah, I, too, you know? they'll be, yeah, they'll be appreciative to hear that you came on the podcast and I, I enjoy hearing, you know, your stories and I've always appreciated your Instagram feed and your perspective of hiking on the trails. Well, thanks. Um, it's an honor and just so flattered to, to know that anyone cares and uh, I hope they get out of hiking everything and more what I've gotten out of it. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the time you took to interview me. Thanks so much. Yeah. That's it for this episode. You can find the show notes at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com where you'll find links to where to follow Sammertime as well as another podcast interview he did earlier this year that I think is also worth a listen. If you've enjoyed the podcast this season, I would love a five-star rating and review over on iTunes. And I don't ask that very often, so it's definitely appreciated. So thanks so much. And as always, you can find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always drop me an email at orangeblazepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy hiking.